this is the in focus podcast from the hindu welcome to the in focus podcast my name is jayan shriram and i'm your host for today in this episode we turn our attention to international affairs and take a deep dive into what's happening in myanmar where the military has once again taken over the country declaring a year long state of emergency and placing elected leaders like aung san suu kyi under detention the military seized control following a general election in which ms suu kyi's national league for democracy or nld party won by a landslide the armed forces had backed the opposition who were claiming widespread voter fraud and demanded a revote And though Myanmar's election commission said there was no evidence to support these claims the coup was staged as a new session of parliament was set to open in the beginning of this week to understand why this coup happened now we have to go back in time to understand the strained relationship between the army and the NLD even in the years in which it seemed as if Myanmar was transitioning out of military rule and looking ahead we also try and understand the geopolitical implications of what's happened now and what the future now holds for Aung San Suu Kyi. I'm joined by the Hindu's international affairs editor, Stanley Jordan. Stanley, welcome back to the podcast once again. Thank you for making time for us. Thank you, Jayan. Thanks for having me. Right. Uh, so this is a really fascinating story that's unfolding in uh, Myanmar. And uh, there are many interesting angles to discuss about the story. But let's just start with uh, where we are with the story right now and go back a little bit as to why this coup was actually staged. Uh, there were some fears about this for a while. There's been some chatter about this since November. Those fears actually came true. What were the concerns around which, uh, you know, what, what were the factors around which this coup actually took place? Yeah. Uh, hi, Jayam. To understand the coup, you know, you just uh, we we just have to look at the complex power dynamics within Myanmar but we are talking about a country that was ruled by the military for decades right, uh, and right. almost five decades and then uh, Myanmar started its fragile transition into uh, a partial democracy i would call because full democracy has never been uh, installed or restored in, in Myanmar so it started around 2010 so uh in you see uh, in 2008 um, myanmar adopted a new constitution uh, which was adopted by the military dictatorship but the constitution set the stage for a partial transition to democracy so initially aung san suu kyi's party which is the nld national league for democracy they didn't accept this constitution so they said that this is another way for the army to continue to retain its you know control over myanmar but then in 2010 there was an election which nld had boycotted and in the election uh, the army backed a political party which is the union solidarity and development party or usdp they swept the election because there was no opposition and there was a transition government but then you know uh, uh, during the transition period uh, aung san suu kyi suu kyi was released uh, during this times not just suu kyi Uh, the transition government had released many of the political prisoners they promised democracy transition into elected uh, democracy free and fair elections uh, they were also warming up uh, to the to the americans president obama visited myanmar in 2012 so all kind of things were happening and there was this 
you know, the air of change in Myanmar's political uh, uh, climate. Uh, and then uh, Suchi's party, later on, they recognized the constitution and they, they started, uh, you know, uh, contesting the elections. They contested the 2015 election. They contested the 2020 elections. And in the 2015 elections, uh, her party, NLD, came to power. Uh, but Suchi was, you know, constitutionally barred from becoming the president uh, because, uh, uh, the, you know, the president's family members should not hold any uh, foreign citizenship. This this clause is there in the constitution, and this was adopted precisely targeting Suchi because her two sons are British citizens. So she is practically barred from becoming president. Uh, but then uh, uh, she became the state councillor, which is roughly the prime minister, the head of the government. And president was, uh, another person was elected president. But practically, her party had majority in parliament in, in the uh, 2015 election. And in the 2020 election, NLD got a bigger uh, mandate, you know. Uh, interestingly, if you look at the constitution, which the army adopted in 2008, this is structurally against the NL, uh, NLD, because this is, uh, you know, systemically, this is in favor of uh, the military. Because the army has mandated that, uh, the constitution has mandated that the interior and uh, defense ministries would be controlled by the army. And also it has reserved some 25% of the total number of seats in parliament for the soldiers, which means the army can appoint. So only the rest of uh, 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 the uh, parliament is up for uh, the election. So, which means, uh, you know, uh, one uh, roughly 166 166 seats are reserved for the uh, soldiers and if the army backed party wins some 166 seats they will have the majority to rule myanmar on the other side suchi's party needs to win more than 330 seats if it wanted to form the government but in the last two elections the people gave uh, suchi's party way more than what it actually needed to form the government and they came to power in back-to-back -back elections. But in 2000, after the 2020 elections, 2020 November elections, when uh, NLD uh, won uh, more than 390 seats uh, out of the 400 plus seats up for grab, so that was kind of a, you know, that's it, alarm bells ringing in the army headquarters. Because despite whatever they did, despite the structural rigging of the political system, still, uh, the people of Myanmar continued to support the NLD overwhelmingly and Suchi remained immensely popular. So this is kind of, you know, and also in the, in the 2020 election, it was uh, the army suffered a humiliating defeat because the USDP got only 33 uh, seats uh, in the uh, uh, whole parliament. So it was an insulting defeat on the one side and on the other side, despite whatever the military did, Suchi remained immensely popular and NLD continued to win back-to-back -back victories. So then I think this was, uh, this was the tipping point. Then the military generals had decided that, I mean, it, it would be, you know, in the long run, it would be against their own interest if even if this partial democracy experiments continued because it would be difficult for them to control the situation. Uh, and there were also talks that uh, the current army general uh, General Ming Ong-Hleng, he had presidential ambitions. He wanted to become the next, he is set to retire uh, in the coming July. But if you want to become president, you need majority in uh, parliament. And for majority, 
USDP had to win at least 166 seats because, because 166 is anywhere reserved for them. But they won right. only 33. So he can't become president if the current parliament convened. So that's why also the coup's time is also, timing is also self-explanatory, you know. The new parliament was set to convene on Monday. So the coup unfolded a few hours before the parliament was to convene, was to be held. So all this point to the army retaking influence, the army threatened by, uh, you know, the growing popularity of Suchi's party. It is reasserting itself to make sure that its interests are not uh, in danger. So effectively, they stopped the, you know, the, the partial democratic experience. And then they took the country back in their hands. Practically, we are now back to the Junda era. Right. So even though the army, you know, basically tried to rig many things or, you know, tried to sort of weigh the any sort of future elections more in its favor, it just was not able to gain any kind of popularity in Myanmar. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Right. So, um, you know, so what comes what comes next now? Because uh, now that now that Myanmar is back under military control, uh, we've seen strong statements from the US. Uh, India has also released a statement. Um, there's already a kind of geopolitical angle playing out to this. So, you know, who does this benefit and how what can we see in terms of international politics and what goes forward from here on in Myanmar? Yeah, um, it's interesting because, uh, you know, uh... The Obama administration had uh, made heavy political investments uh, in mm. Myanmar's in Myanmar during the transition, uh, because the former dictator Tan Shui, because he was in the in his mid 1970s, uh, we are talking about the transition period around 2010, and then he decided that he was not handing over power to another general. So he is the one, he was the man uh, behind Myanmar's partial transition into democracy. Uh, at that time, he was also, yeah, the Chinese had made investments. He enjoyed the Myanmar's military as an institution, uh, enjoyed very good relationship with China. But Tan mm-hmm. also started cultivating ties with the United States. And the Obama administration was warming up to him because he was ready, uh, you know, to shake up the military power structure within Myanmar. And then uh, we saw what happened in 2008. As I discussed earlier, 2008, there was a new constitution. Um, the uh, political prisoners were released, etc., etc. So basically, the United States, um, under President Barack Obama, had played a critical role in Myanmar's transition to this uh, you know, civilian rule, the partial democracy. Uh, and the U.S. and subsequently, the U.S. lifted the sanctions, allowing Myanmar to economically grow. Uh, and join the economic mainstream, etc. This was also because America's political, geopolitical calculation was that an isolated Myanmar would be too dependent on China. To stop that, you have to free up Myanmar. You, you should allow Myanmar to join the economic mainstream, to the global mainstream. And Myanmar at that time was also ready for some kind of transition for economic benefits and also driven by changes within. Uh, so this was uh, uh, this. This is what led to the transition in the early 2010s. But now again, uh, it's back to square one because the United States. There is a Biden administration in the United States, and the administration had spoken out uh, uh, harshly against the military generals, asking uh, the, the 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 generals to release Yuchi and other democratically elected leaders of Myanmar, and the administration has also threatened. 
you know, uh, uh, actions uh, against the generals if they didn't release the prisoners and uh, give back power uh, to the elected leaders. So, which means what could be the actions that could be, you know, uh, sanctions. There could be more sanctions. The military general is already sanctioned by the Americans because of the Rohingya crackdown. But it's possible that uh, the Biden administration could announce more sanctions on the generals. So, which means the original, uh, you know, um, fears about Myanmar being too dependent on the Chinese side is coming true again. Because if the West is targeting the generals because they staged a coup and they captured power illegally, uh, so uh, which means, you know, uh, on the other side, China is, uh, you, if you look at the statements from the Chinese foreign ministry or how the Chinese media reported the events in Myanmar, because Xinhua News Agency called the coup a major cabinet reshuffle. They didn't use the word coup. Um, okay. it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's actually funny. They called it a major cabinet reshuffle. And if you look right. at the Chinese foreign ministry statements, uh, uh, the foreign affairs ministry says that uh, it is asking other countries not to interfere in Myanmar, including the United States, and asking all parties to s resolve the differences peacefully. The question is, I mean, who, who are these all parties? One, on the one side, the army has taken power illegally. And on the other side, the country's president, elected president, and the state councillor are being detained. Uh, right. uh, you know, uh, so it's not like it's not a negotiation that's going on. What is going on is a coup. But the Chinese have made it clear what position they are going to take, uh, which means uh, basically the geopolitical angle is that I think uh, uh, if the tensions are rising between uh, Myanmar and uh, uh, the Americans, Myanmar would turn more towards China. They already have a very good relationship with China. Uh, the Chinese have made huge investments. They are making huge in investments in infrastructure projects uh, within Myanmar. India would also face the same dilemma as, uh, uh, you know, uh, we reported in the in the Hindu because uh, in the 1980s when Suchi was prevented uh, from becoming, uh, from coming to power by the military, uh, at that time India had taken a strong pro-democracy position. Mm -hmm. But now the question is again whether India has expressed a deep concern but beyond that, would India do anything? Would India condemn uh, the coup or, you know, take any kind of action against the generals? But India would also be driven by real political calculations that if you are taking an idealistic position targeting the generals, uh, uh, then uh, again, they are uh, uh, facing a very cool relationship, comfortable relationship with the Chinese side. So the Myanmar mm. can easily turn to the other side. But on the other side, I think the real challenge the Myanmar generals would face is from their own people because the military is increasingly unpopular. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which which was visible, which was evident in the 2020 election. Uh, they they won just 33 seats uh, out of 600 plus uh, total number of parliament seats. Uh, so it is increasingly unpopular, and uh, Suchi remains uh, despite the controversies around her position on the Rohingya crack crackdown. Suchi remains uh, 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 a very, you know, uh, powerful, influential stateswoman in the country. So this is how Myanmar, now everybody is in a shock. You know, uh, one day, Monday morning, the people of Myanmar walk up to the military rule after mm. the 10 years of partial democratic experience. But once the shock is uh, settled in, people would start reacting to the coup, reacting to the illegal grab of power by the generals. So how the military is going to 
tackle those challenges is what we have to wait and see right uh, so just by way of clarification uh, what exactly is the military promising here because i mean the, i think this all starts with their allegation of uh, you know voter fraud yeah. or you know election yeah. election malfeasance or whatever it is yeah. but um, are they promising fresh elections or are they saying that they're going to dismantle the democratic system what is their position on this yeah um, so basically uh, you are right it started with the 2020 may to 2020 november 8 election and mm-hmm. um in the election as we saw the usdp suffered a humiliating defeat and after that usdp said the election was rigged uh, the right. military the pro military party and right. then the military uh, establishment backed the usdp's claim they said that there were uh, some 10 million uh, votes uh, were there uh, which fraudulent votes were there votes were cast during the election but the army hasn't offered any evidence Uh, to back up it's like donald trump's claim that election was rigged i mean yeah, very much. you don't see any evidence you know and myanmar's uh, union election commission which is an independent body which conducted the election and uh, they have dismissed the allegations and they reendorsed the election results uh, a few days before uh, uh, you know before the coup was actually carried out uh, so you don't have, i mean there are allegations raised by the military Uh, military's political vehicle as well as the military establishment but you don't see any evidence and now what the army has done is that they say that the constitution allows them or gives them power to declare emergency uh, uh, in crisis situations so they say this is a crisis situation because the government of aung san suu kyi failed to act on uh, their complaints of water fraud in the 2020 elections so in that event they are moving in so they are using the emergency powers to uh, uh, declare a state of emergency and they have practically dissolved the government because suchi is in prison i mean she she's been detained her whereabouts are not known uh, you know uh, the uh, media is uh, not allowed to report on uh, whatever report more than what the military want them to report so it's like that the situation is like that Uh, so what the military has promised now is that uh, uh, there would be this emergency has been declared for one year and after that they say there would be elections uh, so that is the promises but we have to wait and see what they are actually going to do because one year what are they going to do with the suchi and the nld leaders in this one year are they going to keep them in house arrest this one year and after the one year after this one year of emergency even if there are elections would it be free and fair elections and if it is free and fair elections definitely nld is going to win again i don't right. think that you know uh, uh, the usdp which won 33 seats uh, is going to sweep elections if it's a free election even after one year of coup uh, military yeah. so so these are the critical questions we have to see so as of now there are no clarity the army hasn't given any timeline for they, they just said that the emergency has been declared for a year uh so uh, some reports are saying that uh, general minong hling has his own presidential ambitions so uh, there might be plotting uh, some way uh, so that uh, the general who is set to retire in a few months could continue to remain uh, in power in myanmar so we have to see that what they are going to do right and finally stanley i think we we'll land by talking a little bit about um, aung san suu kyi herself So uh, she's had an interesting journey, of course, from basically being an icon for many years, and then 
you know more recently her sort of global image took a real battering over her, her handling of the rohingya muslim crisis yeah. in myanmar that's right yeah and um, now she is you know she finds herself once again you know at the mercy of the of the school uh, with the generals and so you know there there's still there's some sympathy now again uh, once more for her yeah so you know where where do you see uh, her story going in terms of you know where she stands now with her international image and whether and you know just as the story evolves in myanmar how big a role she will play yeah uh, see uh, with regard to aung san suu kyi my uh, my sense is that uh, you can have two positions one is to have uh, you know an ethical liberal position Uh, which would find Suji problematic because she defended uh, the crackdown on the Rohingya, uh, mm-hmm. which which the United Nations investigators said a crackdown that was carried out with genocidal intent. Uh, so there is no doubt that there was a brutal crackdown against the Rohingya, not just a militant group, but against the Rohingya people, which forced uh, more than seven hundred thousand people to flee the country, and that's massive. And Suji defended that even in front of uh, international fora. so that uh, on her part i mean someone who won nobel peace prize someone who was an icon of uh, democratic movement in myanmar for someone to do that that is a fall definitely uh, so that is the you know that is the uh, ethical position uh, but you can you can also have a pragmatic position because the war against dohingya was not waged by her government it was waged by the military so uh, the military and the government were two completely different institutions in myanmar for the last 5 years because suchi never never had any authority over what the generals were doing and but i think what she did from a practical sense was that she she bought peace with the generals so that she could offer some kind of political stability to her people because you look at these elections two elections you know uh as we saw the electoral system is practically rigged in favor of the military because the 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 pro military party needs to win only 166 seats to form the government whereas any other political party including nld has to win over 330 seats so this is how the system is you know and still in the in both elections suchi's party won more than what it required to form the government and they came to power which means the people of myanmar abundantly support suchi they want i mean even a partial democratic system is a great relief for a people who lived under the yoke of military dictatorship for decades so right. what suchi did i think suchi cut a deal uh, with the devil so that she could offer some kind of political stability to the people so that, i think that's it is part of that she defended the army line on the rohingya she didn't want to go to uh the united nations and speak against her own army that's what she did but it is true that the army carried out a brutal campaign against rohingya but even this strategy didn't work that's what uh, the coup tells us because the military was not happy even with her attempt to defend her defend their uh, crackdown on the rohingya the generals were still not happy they were still threatened by her growing popularity what the generals calculation it's only i mean it's only our analysis uh with the facts available before us is that the generals thought that if suchi remains popular like this despite the system being rigged in favor of them and if she sh- keeps coming back to power again and again it's possible that i mean it would be difficult for them in the future to uh, kind of cage her because it could r- go out of their hands so their interest their permanent interest which they wanted to preserve uh could be shattered in the future so that's why they are now moving in 
you know, uh, denying the NLD uh, the opportunity, their rightful, uh, denying them their rightful victory and taking powers back in their hands. So this is what they are planning to do. So I think you can have, you can look at Suchi from both sides and definitely she is going to play a major role even in the future of Myanmar because um, uh, it is, uh, how are you going to deal with her is, is the biggest challenge the military generals are going to face now because uh, are, they go, are you going to keep her in uh, detention forever uh, or uh, how, are they go, how are you going to deal with her supporters, millions of supporters in Myanmar who would be uh, demanding mm -hmm. a release and once released she is not going to sit quiet because uh, once she is out of the government she is again uh, she could start her activism democratic activism which she did before she came to power so uh, uh, it's an interesting uh, angle which we have to see how the military is going to deal with uh, their real challenge which is uh, which i think is still on san Suchi. right Stanley, I think we'll wrap it up there. I think we've laid out this issue uh, in great detail. So uh, thank you for joining us. We will revisit this, I think, as soon as we have more news updates in which we can discuss. Sure. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for in focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.